This is an ABC podcast. Bang, 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 how you going? I'm good. I feel like I just saw you. You did, literally, two days ago. <laughs> um, we came back from the Barossa yeah. after Grapes of Mirth, which was an extraordinary experience. Wine time, quite literally. We always talk about it in Bang On Lives, which we haven't done in three years. I know. And it was so beautiful to be with the Bang Fam again. Truly amazing. Thank you to everyone who showed up. We had people fly in from Perth, Melbourne, Tassie, that the Sunshine amazing. Coast. They came to the Great of Mirth Festival to see Bang On Live and we felt the love in the room. We were in the um, the road cellar or, as I called it, the barrel room. It was. Which some people found dark, but it's wine barrels. Australia. Yeah. yeah, wine barrels. Yeah. Um, and it was a beautiful, warm room. I actually got an email from Rory, who was one of the Sunny Coast Bang fan that turned up. She just emailed us yesterday into the Bang Box and said they made a whole week of it because they saw the tickets mm. go on sale and she said we had a um, an impulse slash drunk purchase of tickets and thought we're going to come and see Bang on Live. Yeah. And then they couldn't get flights that were cheap enough or worked with their schedules for that just that weekend. So they came out for the whole week and they had the most amazing week, couple of besties hanging out in yeah. the Barossa, in South Australia, wine country, Adelaide, all of it, and then came to Grapes of Mirth the whole weekend, which I love. Oh, that's fantastic. Facilitating bestie weekenders. Absolutely. We like to do that. We want to do more of it, I think. It was such a gorgeous festival too. We had a fabulous time, didn't yeah. we? <laughs> We had a fabulous time. We drank Centenary Port. Port that was from a barrel port. 100 years ago. Yeah. It was amazing. It's viscous. I felt, it was. It was delicious. A bitter I, end. I, I felt very privileged, actually, to be able to taste something that old. Yeah. <laughs> Not saying anything. That was good. Um, thank you to Bra- Grapes of Mirth for having us. Uh, it was beautiful. It was a fantastic festival. For anyone who was there, you know what we're talking about. If you weren't, we're going to share some highlights from the festival with you in the coming weeks. Mm. We did have two special guests. We did. Tom Gleeson, who you'll be surprised why we had him on, mm. and the wonderful Geraldine Hickey as well joined us. Yeah. So it was glorious. And both of them, uh, they banged back. Yes. Gave us some recommendations. Yes. And lessons they've learned. Yes. And it was beautiful. It's gorgeous. So that's coming up in the coming weeks. But, of course, plenty has happened in the last three days or so since we last caught up and, of course, since we joined you previously last week um, with it's our bank very fan. confusing. Joined previously last week, next week, today. Where are we? <laughs> <laughs> and, I mean, one of the biggest things that happened in the last couple of days is, of course, Halloween. Yes. A chance for celebrities to dress up and look ghoulishly hot around the world. That's right. And a chance for people in Australia to go still what is this Halloween? I feel like crap? the tides turned. It has. It, I I copped it the other day. I got it from somebody, really? and I just went, "Come on, get over it." I did see a it's couple little of... kids dressing up, walking around the streets, having a chat to na- other neighbourhood kids, and learning about who their neighbours are. It's cute. Yeah, let them have it. I did see a couple of people on Twitter saying, "I used to poo poo Halloween, but now I'm on board." And I sort of thought, "I don't care. You don't have to tell me you're now on board." Like. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah. So you hated fun a few years ago, and now you don't. Who cares? Who cares? Who cares? No, more it's important we know. Later. It's, yeah, more important that we know what they think and feel about everything. <laughs> I didn't like Halloween, and now I just I'm so, I feel so richer. Yeah. Knowing that you, you you know your vibe on Halloween's changed. Thank you for sharing thank you. that gift. Thank you. But I want to mostly thank of all the ridiculous Halloween costumes, mm. Heidi Klum, who dressed up as 
a worm. I know. <laughs> this was amazing. Uh, Heidi always goes turbo and very extra for Halloween. She is renowned for it. And she, I guess, was the figurehead of that whole celebs, superstars looking hot on Halloween trend that, that has been predominant for however long Halloween's been. She's been doing it for 20 she's, years. Yeah, she's been doing it solidly for 20 years, but usually it's, you know, it's a bit sexy. And it's a she sometimes bit, does freaky outfits. She does a little bit freaky, but this probably took it to the nth degree <laughs> in terms of freaky outfits and the, opposite, the absolute opposite of hot because this worm – was the ugliest freaking thing I've ever seen, and it was magnificent. She she was hooked by her husband, who had his eye coming out. Mm. He was a fisherman of some description, I'm not sure, but he had hooked a worm, and she was the worm. So she was in this kind of, it looked like a, well, it looked like a worm, really. And it looked like a, a giant poo. A giant poo <laughs> or, a, yeah, some sort of... A bit of intestine or something. It was disgusting. It was slimy. Yeah. It was slimy to the touch. Yeah. And she just fell over on the red carpet (laughs) and then proceeded to do an interview lying horizontally. Okay. There's a little highlight of this. The whole interview is worth watching. I will put it in the show notes. But this is one of the moments when an Entertainment Tonight reporter Mm. kneeled down and spoke to Heidi Klum about her choice of outfit. Did you and Tom go on a recent fishing trip to come up with this wild idea? You know what they say, the early bird catches the worm. (laughs) My husband, you know, I'm the worm. You're the worm. We're going fishing. (laughs) I'm the worm. We're going fishing. The whole interview, she's just laying there and at one point she's like, is that my daughter over there? Because she can't get up to see that her daughter's on the red carpet. She's just laying there flailing about like a giant worm. You can't write comedy like that. (laughs) This sort of stuff is amazing. So cooked. Yeah, so cooked. And to live in that world, I mean, to inhabit that world for a second just must be utterly bonkers. And it took people months to make that outfit. I love it. I love the commitment. I watched the whole whole interview. It was like, oh, a couple of months, you know. (laughs) Holy shit. How much does it cost to pay somebody to work on your costume for a couple of months? That's amazing. Um, It's just ridiculous, isn't it? I loved the reactions to it, everyone talking about Heidi as the worm. And, of course, we get to experience Halloween first in Australia and now that we, you know, do celebrate it, we get to see a lot of costumes. But then a day later we get to see Americans go turbo. But it was interesting to see also that in The New Yorker, Naomi Fry wrote a piece about it. And I didn't want to necessarily dive into any think pieces about Heidi Klum as a worm Mm. because I think that's jumping the shark a little bit, jumping the earthworm a little bit. But she did make a point um, which I thought this is why it was such a big reaction because, again, these celebrities who dress up in these insane outfits that are very figure-hugging, and that's fine, but it's not scary. It's Mm. just kind of hot. So the idea of Halloween, she really, really encompass that. Well, think about Kim Kardashian this year as a Marvel character. So, of course, she's like literally pasted into a skin-tight outfit that shows absolutely how incredible her body is. It's all about that. But not that scary at all. Not scary. I'm not scared of that. I'm more scared of her sunglasses that she's wearing for Balenciaga at the moment. (laughs) I find that more terrifying because they're not great. Are they speed dealer sunnies? No, they're kind of – well, yeah, they are the speed dealers and sometimes enlarged speed dealers. We've already had that discussion, but that's that's more terrifying for me that that's going to be back. That is back in fashion. So Naomi Fry from the New Yorker says it stood out the glistening length of Clum's earthworm with its visual adjacency to both male genitalia and excrement is surely far from <laughs> femi. 
Uh, Vogue published photos of Clum in what she was wearing underneath the costume, a glittery bodysuit and spiky heels, which she, you know, she took off the costume eventually because mm. she literally couldn't move in it. But they published those photos as if to reassure readers that the model's world-famous curves were still there, hidden under her creepy, crawly covering. But the image of the worm was indelible. There was something disruptive, almost avant-garde about its appearance on the mm. red carpet. And it got all the attention, and I loved that for it. I think she should bring it out for the Met Gala. <laughs> I genuinely do. I mean, we had, speaking of Kim Kardashian, we had her wearing Marilyn's dress, which was kind of underwhelming, to be honest. And and But when Heidi Klum was in the worm outfit, she walked in the same way as Kim had to walk in that dress. Shuffling along. couldn't move it, couldn't touch it, couldn't mess with Are it. Are you saying that the worm is fashion? The worm is fashion. <laughs> I mean, we had that Balenciaga parade in the mud pit this year, so the worm <laughs> is actually rather on trend because we know they're all out because of the rain. They love the mud. Oh, no! They love the mud. It's fashion. She brought it full circle. It's fashion. Oh, God, 2022, you've cooked it. Speaking of horror <laughs> stories, did you hear about the lions that escaped their pen in Taronga Zoo this week? Oh. Four cubs and one adult seen outside of the enclosure at 6.30 in the morning on Wednesday. It's the great escape. Um, and Everyone's safe. This is why we can have we a can little laugh chuckle. about it. But it was a bit scary for those people who'd booked in for their roar and snore package. Mm. For those people who do the glamping, you get to camp next to the lions and you get to wake up with them going and probably peeing on the fence or something near you. Having sex. You yeah. see them having sex. <laughs> oh, no. Can tell you that happens. Yeah, no, that's no good. But anyway, they got the call at 6.30am, get up, get out of bed. And go hide in the toilet block. Oh my god! That's what they said. Go. Are there doors on the toilet block? They'd want to be. You'd hope so. Sheesh. Just imagine all these roar and snorers just jumping onto toilet seats with the doors closed, hoping that the the lions don't climb up, or indeed the cubs don't climb under the doors. Oh my god! How big were the cubs? Do we have an idea? Oh, they were adorably tiny. And if they'd escaped into my little tent, I would have said, Give "Come and a have a cuddle. snuggle." They reminded me of Norman. Yeah, they were beautiful. Beautiful. Did you know that one got left behind though? What do you mean? There was a whole bunch of them and it was a bit of a gang. But one of the cubs that was part of the gang got left behind. I know. It's like reminds me I smell me a of, Disney movie in the making. Reminds me of primary school <laughs> when all your mates turn on you and then they go and do something good and you're not invited. I heard that on, on the Twitter um, that, the, yes, there was one one little cub that just kind of sat there and went, my friends have gone. Poor little angel. I know. Do you think the other one was the mum just coming to get them because they were being naughty? Quite possibly. They didn't venture far. I've actually been to one of the roar and snores at Taronga. Mm. Um, and when I saw this, I was like, oh, wow, that would have been scary because you are pretty much out in the open. You're surrounded by all the animals. Not I'm a celebrity, get me out of here surrounded because they're in pens, but mm. sometimes they're not, like on Wednesday morning. But when they wake you up in the morning, they wake you up quite early because they want to take you on a tour of the zoo before the gates open. Mm. So it's kind of a dawn awakening. And this is the music that they use to wake you up at around 6am when you do the roar and snore. <laughs> so I posit that the cubs and the adult heard that and went, let's go on a quest. Yes. <laughs> that was... The rallying call to get out there. Little adventure for the little cubs. Oh, God, I'm going to start crying. I love the Lion King. The funniest thing about Roar and Snore was 
I took my boyfriend for an anniversary and we, you know, did the romantic thing, got a ferry out there and landed at the front of Taronga and it was all a surprise and I just turned to him and I said, we're sleeping here tonight. And he didn't realise that there was such a thing as roar and snore and he thought that I'd just gone rogue and I was about to jump the fence and break into the zoo. Oh, my God. He's like, who's this person I'm, I've, I've never seen him look so fearful. At this like, point. what? And I'm like, oh, no, no, it's legal. Like, it's a thing. You can, you can stay at the zoo. Oh. Roar and snore. Sounds like when I wake up, <laughs> get a bit of roar and snore at my place. <laughs> Oh, it's been a huge week for this musician as well. First artist in history to dominate the entire top 10 singles chart of the Billboard Hot 100. Taylor Swift has made history once again. It's a huge coup to see every single top 10 mm. with your name on it. Drake got close. I was going to say he got nine, nine at some point. How is this happening though? The, the laws have changed, haven't they, in terms of the way they collate those numbers. Yeah. So previously, if you could only get in if it was a new song or I don't know, how did it work and how does it work now? I don't quite understand. Well, they've changed in a couple of ways. Previously, they had to be singles, officially released as singles. And also, of course, you know, in the last few years, they've started collating streaming data. So Spotify and Apple Music, but also YouTube, which is a huge music discovery platform mm. as well. But yeah, the thing I think from switching to it's officially released as a single to it can be any song is what really changes the game. Mm. So when Taylor Swift becomes the most streamed album in Spotify's history, that chunks up all of the songs, doesn't it, into the list. And I think this is going to happen more and more. Like it obviously happened with Drake as well. It's going to happen with these high profile artists who have a huge, huge fan base and also just a lot of curiosity around them when they drop a new record that it doesn't have to be necessarily a singular single that is officially put out and this is the focus single, but you can just put out whole records. And when you think about it, it's like, it's kind of cool, but it's also kind of boring. Yeah. Like, you've just got 10 songs by the same artist and it just knocks everyone else out. Yeah. And I'm not saying that the Billboard Hot 100 Top 10 is the most diverse list. It's usually, you know, hyper pop, huge selling stuff, which is fine, but you're not going to hear, you know, every genre of music in it. But at least you're probably going to see a whole bunch of different artists in it and it just knocks them all out, it like does. 10 pins. Does it knock them out, though, for long or is it just normally the first week that this sort of stuff happens? I guess we haven't really seen how long. It will take for them to... The Taylor Tale? You're yeah. talking about the Taylor Tale? Yeah, if it will, in fact, just peter out. Yeah, I don't know. It's that curiosity again of people listening. There'll be a lot of people who listen over and over again, could, could keep it in there. Um, but also, you know, other things come in. We've all got very short memories in terms of discovering any kind of art music, mm. life and stuff. A nice Sorry. one, I see, how, see what you did there. Sorry. That's what we do here at Bang On, music, life, art and, and stuff. stuff. Just go subscribe, like and subscribe. <laughs> Leave us a review if you can. If but you can find out where the reviews are, <laughs> I never can. But if you can, you can <laughs> go, go for it. We'd love it. Keeps, yeah. us, keeps us in the loop, you know. It does keep us in the loop. We love your reviews. Big week on Twitter. It's always a big week on Twitter. But this week in particular, Elon Musk took over. As the owner, I can't believe how much he paid for it. Oh, I don't even know. I gave up. It's just sixty-eight numbers. billion dollars. It doesn't matter. Like it to him, it doesn't matter. And the banks gave him the money, and you just think, what is going on here? He's taken over Twitter. He's swept the floor of quite a few of the management, mm. and he has threatened or suggested that there will be huge changes, i.e., 
that we will have to pay for our blue ticks, which you and I both have, and um, that anyone will be allowed on the platform, which will probably mean in America people like Donald Trump will be allowed back onto the platform. Mm. Their voices will no longer be silenced. Now, this is then met with from the audience of a lot of people who use Twitter saying, we're getting off. As always happens when stuff like this happens. Oh, we're leaving, we're leaving, we're leaving. I'm moving to New Zealand. And Yeah, exactly. And the thing is too, do you fight from within? Like to up and leave is is it, is it possibly you've had enough, that's fine. Mm. But is it okay to just jump ship and, and let everybody else deal with the mess? I'm not too sure. Like do you, do you go or do you stay on a platform? I guess for me it's just a case of, of wait and see. And I don't mind paying my $8 for a blue tick purely because – Oh, really? Purely because it's a, it's a source of advertising for me. Mm. It's work. Um, but do you I, reckon that that idea of paying for what is means you're a verified account, which basically you know equals authenticity, which mm. is arguably the most valuable thing online, which should be reached through actual authenticity, i.e., mm. you um, have game in a field. You're you know you've yeah. got a PhD. You're a noted journalist. You do your research. You actually do your research. All yeah. of that stuff. Yeah. Or you're the person. You're the Miff Warhurst or the Zanro, and you're not someone else who's an impersonator, which is something that a lot of us deal with. You've probably been scammed by one of us. You know, not us, but someone pretending mm. to be us. All that sort of stuff has huge value. So when authenticity can be bought. Doesn't that then devalue the whole platform because anyone can buy Absolutely. a blue tick? Well, this is the problem. Anyone can buy a blue tick, but and it also means that you no longer know who's a trusted source and who is not. So yeah. that's one of the problems with it. But like I said, in terms of me personally, if I had to pay for something like that, mm. I, I would because I use it as, as, a, as an avenue to let people know about what I do. Yeah. And I can afford to, but other people can't necessarily afford to. And again, even though Elon Musk thinks he is breaking the hierarchy of privileged people who get blue ticks, what he's actually doing is creating a new one of Absolutely. people who can pay. So yeah. there are so many levels of problems with all of it uh, and no one actually knows what's going to happen next. So we, I guess it's a case of just kind of suck it and see at this point. For me, what do you feel? Do you feel like you'll stay or you will go and would you pay for a blue tick? I honestly don't know. I think that um, I, 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 agree, I agree with you in terms of being able to share what we're doing is really um, helpful on Twitter. I long ago stopped giving my hot takes on Twitter because it's people can't read tone. I just, whenever I share a hot take, it's usually something joyful or stupid, mm. you mm. know. I don't really have conversations with people that um, are, you know, of any sort of depth on Twitter because it's, you can't read tone. It just com becomes combative. Um, and oh, and there's really always get... some person who just, you put something up that is meaningful to you and they go, but what about this? Oh yeah, the, but how what about? You, how can you have, how can you not think about this at this point? It's like, I can have multiple layers of thought. Yeah. At the same time about many issues, mate. Um, and I say mate because it's, you know, generally an angry man on Twitter telling us what about, what it about. It can be a reductive place, that's for sure. Yeah. I think that the idea, though, that Elon Musk is destroying Twitter is also reductive. Twitter's been cooked for a long time. Oh, it's awful. <laughs> you know, you've got to take that place with a grain of salt. It's awful, but it's also about how you interact with it. Again, I, I think I've never been someone who's shared an awful lot of myself on that as a platform. But I do enjoy other people who do and I really enjoy it as a news source. For up-to-date news, that's the place I go to get that information. Which is why you want that verification because you want to know that where you're getting it 
is going to be from a place that is trusted, which is less and less the case in the speed of social media. That's true. But I think if you know it's not coming from already a prestige or or established heritage media outlet, then... I think we all know to take it with a grain of salt. I don't know if everyone does, though. That's the thing. I think they do now, don't they? Only 18% of people in Australia use, use Twitter, Twitter as well, I too. Know. So it's like, you know, and I say that to Bank fan because there's probably a lot of you going, I don't even use it. Like, Twitter's yeah. sick. What, why would I use it? <laughs> people sick. like us use it because we are, you know, in the in public sphere yeah. and because we, you know, are able to connect with people that, you know, we like, but also people we want to share stuff with. Mm. Journalists use it. That's why you see it being reported. But don't. You know, when less than 20% of the public use it. And also lazy journalists use it when they want to fill their articles of people responding to something on Twitter, which is not (laughs) news, people. And I think we know that too. I'm here to provide provide uh, little uh, embeds of my tweets for your next news article. Please <laughs> go through my Twitter. So yeah, what are, what are you going to do? Are you going to sit it out and see see what happens? I'm going to wait and see because he's a businessman too, and if he spent 68 billion dollars on a product, he won't want to devalue mm. it. He won't want to lose key people. And I don't think everyone will jump ship because people always say they will, and then they either do and come mm. back or they don't at all. It's all huff and puff. But I think that he's got smart business sense. He mouths off about so many different things. He's a 14-year-old boy, as we've talked about and this is this is a huge problem, I think, (laughs) with having someone like Elon Musk at the helm. It's like it's kind of laughable, but he is also now in control of a huge media company that expresses information to the world. Yeah, there's a huge responsibility. As much as I'm downplaying it, Mm. Twitter does have an impact and can rile people up and rile people up in a really violent way. Mm. So there is a huge responsibility in that too. But he's he's just such a turd too. Like he's written... This is one of his tweets on October 29 because there's a new thing you can do, which is put a little comment before your actual comment. He's got a star. Living the dream. Comedy is now legal on Twitter. Oh, that's right. The status update. Yeah. <laughs> like, it really. Are you going to tag all of your tweets hot take from now on? <laughs> a little spicy, chilly. Yeah, exactly. I love oh. it. So, yeah, it'll, I think it's a, it's a wait and see with this one. Well, it was a total social media pile on a few months ago, and we talked about it when Andrew Hornery, who is the Sydney Confidential Gossip Columnist with the Sydney Morning Herald, mm. um, was basically trying to get a scoop, a hot scoop from Rebel Wilson, asked her about her, you know, her sexuality, her private life, and gave her two days to respond. And then she ended up coming out publicly before he got the scoop, sidelined him um, in mm. pretty much his words. Uh, but very much before she was ready to. And there was huge backlash to this. In case you missed it, this week the Australian Press Council agreed that he had breached two of its principles in conducting himself in this way, including avoiding intruding on a person's reasonable expectations of privacy unless doing so is sufficiently in the public interest and avoiding causing or contributing materially to substantial offence, distress or prejudice or substantial risk to health or safety unless doing so is sufficiently in the public interest. Mm. So he basically went out there and this wasn't in the public interest. There was no reason for him to force Rebel Wilson to out herself. Yeah. A day after the ruling, Wilson's posted a photo of her and her partner to Instagram and she said that she didn't seek out Um, This result didn't ask for any action to be taken, but she was glad that it had been officially recorded and recognised. 
because these actions did cause her partner Ramona and her a lot of distress. There are still pains from having to rush this news publicly, which we are dealing with. Mm. And you would hope that this horrible experience, which I think probably caused a lot of pain in other people too, thinking about their own coming out experiences, the expectations around that, yeah. uh, you would hope that this changes the behaviour of, of journalists in the way that they report this. But then you see something that happened this week, which you drew my attention to from Kit Connor, one of Mm. the actors of of Heartstopper, a great show that you banged on about really recently. Absolutely gorgeous television show. If you get to see it, do. Um, Kit Connor is one of the stars of the show and his character in the show is absolutely beautiful. The character, I don't know if we can give away spoilers, people may not have seen it, but at the end of the series, he basically comes out to his mum, says he's bisexual and dating a boy. And it's a beautiful moment at the end of a gorgeous series. And and the fact that he could tell his mum without being forced, you know, that this was in fact the case. And that is the message of the show. It is, it's love who you love, be who you want to be, whatever. Sexuality is a spectrum. Exactly, exactly. Anyway, as it's turned out this week, um, in real life, he faced a very different experience. Um, He tweeted a couple of days ago, and this just, for me, came out of nowhere, but uh, if you knew the backstory, you would understand why. He said that he was bisexual. Uh, It's he, he announced, I'm bi. Congrats for forcing an 18 year old to out himself. I think some of you missed the point of the show. Bye. He's 18. He's a kid still. And he's just working out stuff as we all do at that age. And he was accused by many people because he'd been uh, captured in the media with, with people of the opposite sex that he was queer baiting in the same way that Harry Styles is often mm. uh, alleged to be. And that is to, um, you know, kind of draw in a queer audience without actually being queer yourself. And um, there's a great article actually that came out in Vogue, in UK Vogue, and it's by Scott Bryan and, and, and he has an interesting take on queer baiting. It says, it's an accusation that has been levelled at other big stars such as Harry Styles and sometimes it is a valid accusation, one that should be aimed at corporations that target and make profits from LGBTQIA plus audiences, especially if they are not simultaneously taking a supportive stand on the issue facing the community in times of need. Yet accusing a public individual of queer baiting is inherently problematic for a number of reasons and then goes on to list those reasons. So, yes, the people who are using queer baiting as a technique to sell more things to you, Mm. that is not okay. But if somebody chooses not to say what they do when they're at home with whoever – that's not your business. Yeah, he it's sort of he talk, nobody's business. He talked about the irony of people accusing Kit Connor of queer baiting. They're eradicating the very identities they are claiming to protect in the process. Mm. It's all kind of eating itself, isn't it? Yeah. And you're losing actually what you know what you what you're holding close to your heart by attacking individuals mm. for queer baiting. But it happens quite a lot, and so devastating to see that happen to a teenager while he's sort of searching through yeah, his life and, and and really shot to stardom. Um, because of these, you know, shows. I think that he was in It's a Sin as well. Mm. So he's been, um, yeah, kind of raked over the coals in such an awful way and in called a, it out. But, you know, you can imagine the pain he went through in yeah, dealing with that. I couldn't have coped with this kind of attention. Seriously, 18. Age. 18. It's, yeah. You, you should be allowed to explore whatever you need to explore at that age without 
people judging or being critical of you. Have a go at banks. Have a go at health funds. Absolutely. Have a go at all the big corporations that get the pink dollar and go turbo. Mm -hmm. You're going to see it heaps in the next few months as we lead up to World Pride happening in Sydney. But individuals, that's, yeah, that's. I feel like that's a low blow Mm. and really misses the point of what you're trying to protect. Yeah, and in hand in hand with the Rebel Wilson episode like it's it just shows where we're at it's a very very confused time Mm. what are you banging on about this week well thank you very much for asking (laughs) this is a movie that you recommended to me to watch on the plane because you've watched it on a plane and my lord on a big screen you were watching on your phone my phone which you do have a large phone i do have a large phone it's not that large it's massive pretty good. You need two hands to hold that phone. That's right. I spend a lot of time on it. I deserve the largest phone there is. Um, um, you told me to watch this one. You said, oh, it's really fun. And it is. Like, it's a great film. Uh, it is the new film that Emma Thompson stars in with the fabulous Daryl McCormack, who you may recall from Bad Sisters. Matt. Yes. Uh, together, they are pretty much the only characters in what seems to be a a drama based in one hotel room as well, which I love. It's more of a theatre piece transposed to film, I guess. Good luck to you, Leo Grand. And Leo Grand is a sex worker. uh, And Emma Thompson's character has uh, been, well, she's been widowed for a couple of years. She only ever had sex with her husband and it was never great. And she goes out on a limb and she decides she wants to learn about sex and also perhaps maybe even have an orgasm. Never had an orgasm. Never had an orgasm. Um, it's a great film. Um, and I think I was watching it thinking about the roles for women and how much they've changed mm. and how extraordinary this is in terms of a filmic moment and the representation of, of what female characters can be on screen. This was extraordinary. Emma Thompson is amazing. Darren McCormack is fantastic. And... Um, <laughs> Probably shouldn't have watched it on the plane. <laughs> <laughs> you said we were flying back from South Australia because it was the classic short flight where you'd watch the first half on one leg and then you came back to watch the last half yeah. and you're there with your phone. Um, and I'm just sitting next to you watching Lux Listings, my yeah. plane uh, viewing mm. of choice, and you just, you're just you just cackling and I just <laughs> like, see no, there's some like no. doggy style going on right next to me <laughs> and you're worrying about what the people are looking behind And then you. I've slapped you on the arm. I'm going, what I was watching that on a large screen on the plane that I could not take from the back of the seat. <laughs> Imagine people looking over my oh shoulder. Oh, God. Oh, no I regrets. mean, it's not that, like, it's not explicit at all, but, you know, there's only a little bit at the end, but I just wasn't, I don't know, it'd been, they, they just allude to things mostly during the movie and then it got there and I was like, oh, oh okay. <laughs> Shit. And then you wonder about the people who can see you in that little crack in the side between the window and the seat. Oh, they're probably just happy you're not putting your feet between there, to be honest. Yeah, that's true. Anything's an improve from that. That's true. But isn't it a great little film? I love it. Yeah. I thought Mm. it was fantastic. Um, Really wonderful. And just such a nice surprise to see Matt from Bad Sisters again Mm. as the gigolo. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, really good. I love that bang on. I was trying to find um, where you can watch it. You can definitely watch it on your next flight. If freely available. We dare you. It's an hour and a half, so if your pl- flight's delayed, as mm. mine was when I watched it in full yeah. on a Sydney to Melbourne flight, I was enjoying the delay. I was like, just keep keep going, keep flying. I need to finish this film. How about you just watch it in the terminal in front of everybody? <laughs> but you can rent it on streaming services as well. Um, and I highly recommend it too. It's a very good bang on, good idea. Yeah. What are you banging on about? I'm banging on about a fantastic doco that I saw on SBS. It's on SBS On Demand at the moment. It's called Me and My Tourette's. Yep. 
It is a one-hour doco about people who have Tourette's. It specifically follows three people as they go to a Tourette's camp in Victoria, which basically helps people, you know, first of all, meet other people with Tourette's, talk openly about it, let them tick openly. One of the things that really struck me in this doco was when they were, you know, trying to explain what Tourette's is to people who don't experience it is, you know, when you've got a really full-on itch and it just won't go away until you scratch it, Mm. letting out a tick, whether it's a physical tick or saying something, is scratching that itch. Mm. And if you keep, you know, trying to bury it, it just gets more and more stressful and upsetting and and physically painful Mm. and you have to let it out. But, of course, people with Tourette's, you know, have trouble letting it out because society looks at them in a certain way. Mm. So it was really informative and beautiful to watch these, you know, young people, they're all kind of teenagers, um, go through their personal, you know, stories, how they came to, you know, have Tourette's, you know, how they were working with it and also how they were dealing with it with their families too, some of whom were supportive, some of whom were really not supportive. It's really fantastic. It's on SBS On Demand. Um, I learned a lot and I thought it was beautifully put together. Great. Um, and I think it's part of a larger series of docos called Australia Uncovered. Yes. Yeah, which yeah. the Sandra Pankhurst story, the... Trauma cleaner. Trauma cleaner story, which I think we've talked about before. Mm. Um, that's part of this too. So check it all out on I'm SBS. I'm going to watch both of those, that's for sure. And also too with filming things like... Tourette's, it can be a really fine line, can't it? Whether or not you're you're with people, or you're you know you kind of you 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 you're looking at them, mm. and this sounds like it's actually quite decent. Absolutely, yeah. yeah, it was fantastic. So me and my Tourette's on SBS on demand, bloody great watch. There we are. We did it. We've done a lot of banging on this week. Oh, man, we've been offering up our opinions. Anybody who does or doesn't want them, <laughs> I'll see you next week for yeah. more banging on. Yeah. Bye, babes. Bye. Bang. 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 Bang on.